For a special episode of the Akron Mirror podcast, we're spending the holidays with our Akron Summit County Public Library family. I'm Keith. I'm Jane. I'm Chris. I'm Kelly. I'm Wyatt. And I'm Riss. On this episode, we'll be sharing some reference questions and resources we've explored this year. Um, Jane, you work in special collections. Can you tell us a little bit about what type of questions come through special collections? So we generally work with um, genealogy and local history. So um, anything to do with have family history, whether that's local or even sometimes outside the area. Um, and then definitely local history, Summit County and Akron. And you recently had an interesting reference question. Can you tell us a little bit about it? (laughs) Uh, So there was a researcher who wanted to find the uh, Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus in the 1950 census. And this was a challenge because the primary way that we search census records is by name Mm -hmm. followed by where the person was at the time. And the researcher didn't have any names that she could give me. Um, and at, at the, you know, just as she was asking, and I was thinking, well, where would the circus have been on the census day in 1950? Mm. Um, that question was actually fairly easy to uh, answer. Illinois State University has digitized an archival collection of historical circus documents. Oh. <laughs> and there was a document in this collection that said exactly where the uh, Ringling Brothers Circus was at that time, and they were in New York City at Madison Square Garden. So I had that part of the question answered, but still it was pretty difficult to try to find uh, the the circus employees, a list of names in the actual census. And I was thinking, well, where would they have been living while they were performing in the circus? Were right. they at a hotel right. or across several hotels, a boarding house? I, you know, I had no idea. So I did a little bit more internet research, and one of the things that I found was that the Ringling Brothers had uh, they used trains. for living quarters for the employees. So just on a complete whim, um, when we do census searches, we usually use Ancestry. And uh, one of the ways that you can search census records on Ancestry is by keyword, which is just like a random keyword that might appear on any of the records. I don't usually use the search technique because it gives me very inconsistent results. Mm -hmm. Um, But this time I did, and I got one result, one name, in Manhattan, and it led me to the image of the original census record, and here was a whole list of names with ah. <laughs> circus employees. Definitely, I was seeing things like um, animal attendant, rigor, canvas man, wardrobe. Now, the thing is, you're not going to see Ringling Brothers on that sheet of paper hmm. because um, the in census enumerators would would not they would only list the type of industry and the type of job. But on the in the margin. Madison said, said Madison Square Garden. Like, who else could it be? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Since we've already lined up that they were there. That's really cool. That so, is really, really cool. Yeah. So where do you start? Like, if I'm interested um, in, I don't know, I want to know more about genealogy. Do you just walk into the special collections division and say <laughs> that and you all are able to help get that going? Or what kind of information should I come with? Or, it, it would be like great to, for us to have uh, something to go on. You know, it's a shame that people don't get started with this until later in life because that's when um, your parents and your grandparents are gone and then you can't mm. ask them anything. I right. I always tell people try to get started as, as early as you can. You know, just collect some basic information because that's what you need to start with. Okay. Um, you always just, you know, start with yourself, start with your parents. 
Um, certainly, if you're an adoptee, you're, that's not going to work for you. If you're searching for unknown biological family, you're going to be going in a completely different direction from the get-go. But if you, um, if you know your biological family, um, have the information on your parents and grandparents, um, one of the things we do recommend is starting with, with the 1950 census. Um, if you have parents or grandparents who were alive during that time and living in the United States, uh, that's a good place to start because that can, it's a, sort of a stepping stone and you might be able to find them in earlier census records. Um, certainly obituaries are a good place to look at too. There's really no one you know, record that you're going to be looking at, you can almost start anywhere. It's just a matter of collecting that information and putting it together. Mm, okay. Can you tell us then, um, with regard to family history in the Akron area, what are some important family names that come up in Akron's history? Well, there's probably as many important names as there are important people. <laughs> um, uh, it's certainly uh, Perkins' name is very important. This founding family of Akron. Um, uh, Schumacher, very important in Akron's 19th century oatmeal industry. Um, Cyberlings and Firestones were, of course, very important in uh, rubber industry. There's, there's actually a lot of um, family names that a lot of people don't know about that are still significant to Akron's history, like, yeah. um, like, like Lane, Samuel Lane, who wrote a, uh, a history of Akron and Summit County in 1892. And without his work, a lot of that, you know, a lot of that would be lost. Mm-hmm. And then um, McLean, Shirley McLean, who wrote uh, a, a work on um, Akron's black community. And that is significant because if she had not done that, a lot of that history would have been lost. So there's lots of names. Chris is a floater in our system. So he is in all different locations, all different departments across Mm -hmm. the Akron Summit County Public Library System. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you probably get all kinds of different questions and scenarios. So the good news is I know a bit of everything because mm-hmm. I'm everywhere and I see all this stuff happening. The problem is I know a bit of everything. So yes. I never really get the depth <laughs> that someone would get by sitting in the same location for uh, for months on months on years and years on end. Well, we can share with you some of our um, reference questions from this year. Yeah. Wonderful. We were talking about um, family names and surnames um, with Jane earlier. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, do you know what is the most common family name in North America? Yeah. I'll say Smith, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Brown. You can it, check this on census.gov, by the way. It is indeed Smith. Hey. Um, and it is because... Those are the like most common surnames in the U.S. and Canada, so proportionally um, North America. Smith is actually seen in different cultures and countries. Hmm. Um, so, for instance, and I thought this was really interesting, um, in Italian, the last name Smith, or the equivalent, is Ferrari. Oh. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, but it's the same thing with like Dutch. Um, it's Smets. Spanish, it's Herrera. Herrera? Herrera's common. I've Mm -hmm. heard of that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Arabic, it's Hadid. I've definitely heard of persons named Hadid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just interesting that that kind of was prevalent. Um, What year was the oldest book in our collection published? The oldest book in our collection. Um... Is it in our special collections division? It is in our special collections division. Yes. I'll say 1750 as my final guess. Older. All right. How old is this book? 1586. 
1586. What is this, the Magna Carta? It is, I can't even say this because it's in Latin. Have you taken Latin? Uh, no. <laughs> Took French. I did take Latin, and I still can't read it. Do you consider um, that this is an audio format for this podcast? <laughs> the people are going to be, they want to know. <laughs> you gotta read it. You just have the answer to a question, not be something we the can The question <laughs> was, the question was, what year? Well, what's the book? Uh, <clears throat> Here it comes. <laughs> I don't even know what all of the title, like which part is the title and which one isn't, to be honest. And okay, you can try to deter surface this. Diophysis Libre Tres. Cato Major. This is book number one of the Republic. Yeah, so uh, this book exists in our collection. And you can take a look at it if you request it in advance at special collections. Okay, what country is the origin of potato and tomatoes. Potatoes and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Those are from America, right? Tomatoes are an American food? Uh, region. I'll take that. Region? Southern North America? Technically. You're working your way down yeah. there. Central America? Keep going. South America? There you go. Yeah. How do we get there? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it originated in like the Peruvian, Ecuadorian, Bolivian, Andes area. Mm. Um, although Southwest. tomatoes did make it for, like north towards Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting that um, potatoes and tomatoes, I think, at least in terms of um, dishes, that we commonly use. Like there was the potato famine in Ireland. So mm-hmm. I assumed that it was Ireland. It is not. No, American. Yeah. Originated from there. Yep. A ri- interesting fact about tomatoes. Per- yeah. People often thought tomatoes were poisonous. And I believe oh, there was yeah. a president who served tomatoes, or at least his wife, his first lady, served tomatoes at a dinner. Was she trying to poison people? No, she was trying to show them that you could, you could eat tomatoes. Um, so the concept here, circle back. The yeah. concept here is that since Chris is a floater and handles all kinds of different scenarios, we're going to just throw questions at him, even though he has indicated that that is not how his job generally works. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I do like getting the reference questions. They are a lot of fun. And then last question that we have for you is, um, is the directional perception of time the same in different countries? What? Yes, this was my reaction. Okay, so this is, I'm just saying, this question originated as, does time flow differently in different countries? Thank you very much. Oh, Um, yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Okay. Because, so think about the theory of relativity. Time is relative. Like, how fast things go depends on how fast you are moving. Okay. So if you, so you can actually picture this as, like, being on a train. Suppose you're standing at a station, and you've got a clock, Mm -hmm. and you put, and you get on the train, and there's someone who's still on the station watching you get on the train. So you both get your watches synced up, one person on the platform, one person on the train. Mm-hmm. The person on the train starts going, and they go really, 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 really fast. This was Einstein's thought experiment. They eventually, like, I think he rode a bicycle, like, at the speed of light. Yeah. Would the time that the person standing still, the time on their watch be different than the person on the train or on the bike going exceedingly fast? It is. When you're going fast, the time around you slows down, or at least the way you experience time slows down. So, yes, people in different altitudes experience time differently because they are traveling at a higher speed because they are further from the core of the Earth. So that is the scientific answer to this question that I did not find when I was Googling this. But, yeah, so, uh, yes, this patron was correct. 
Um, the one that I found when I was answering this, because I mm-hmm. do not have a scientific mind, was the directional perception in relation to language. So mm. we view... Um, Linguists and soci- sociologists have found that indiv- like countries and communities um, and cultures view time the way that we read and the direction that we read. Mm. So um, we view the past on our right, left, and the future on our left, right. Okay, <laughs> we read left to right. So that is the direction what? that time flows. <laughs> but in countries in which they read right to left, Arabic, Hebrew. Yeah, is um, actually on their right, and the future is on the left. Interesting. For countries that read um, from like top down, the future Mm -hmm. is down. And the way that they even use language. Um, So instead of being like next week, it would be like down week. Hmm. Oh, wow. So, Kelly, you are one of the co-hosts of Full Manga Librarians, Yes, one of our podcasts, which makes this a fun podcast crossover. Can you tell us a little bit about your <laughs> podcast? Yeah, and I uh, before, <laughs> since we're talking about crossover, I seem to have lost my invitation to join <gasps> Full Manga Librarians totally in the email. It, I'm not sure. It must have been sent. I don't understand. I know. I don't I, know how you got the, uh, Did you check your spam folder? I, maybe I need to check my spam folder. It's got me in there. Yeah, because I got mine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Rissa's doing it next week. Gosh. <laughs> so for people who don't know, it's a podcast all about manga. So I am one of the co-hosts. The other co-host is Miss Carrie. And she is a teen librarian at Ellet. But we come together and we talk about our basically manga suggestions. And it's we try to go around like 15, 20 minutes. We try to keep it shorter. But um, we love manga so much that sometimes we go over. That's the full part of the name, Full Manga Library. Full Manga Libraries, yes. Cool. So what is manga? Yeah. <laughs> what is manga? Um, yeah. So basically what manga is, uh, manga is the... Japanese word for comic or graphic novel. And manga, if we're talking about um, the, li- the literal translation, it's man, which is whimsical, and ga, which is pictures. Mm. But it's supposed to represent like comics or graphic novels. But ha- it does differ, though, from... Mm-hmm. Okay, how does it differ? Yeah, so... Um, in Japan, they read from right to left instead mm-hmm. of over here, we, we read from left to right. Another difference i found if we're talking about teen material a lot of the teen material upstairs deals a lot with romance Mm. which is fine a lot of people enjoy um but manga i found has a lot of friendship stories Mm. which i think is also important um and obviously it has a whole lot more it has fantasy science all the genres that we've come to know and love over here Manga also has, they have a very specific way of talking about contemporary, though. Mm. Um, If you guys have ever heard of Slice of Life Mm -hmm. manga. Yeah, I feel like I don't really hear that as much with um, maybe like American published Mm -hmm. work. But in manga, it's a huge sector of contemporary. It looks at one very specific instance of mundane life. It celebrates mundane life. And a lot of the times it deals with friendship. I think I've cried at more manga than I've cried <laughs> at nearly any other mm. arts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I both love it and hate it because I will. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, 
it's an interesting feeling. Well, they also have room to um, have you got have people steep in the characters because mm-hmm. they have like fifty volume. I mean, you look at yes. One Piece, yeah, or you look at certain other series that go on for a very long time, and it's like, well, of course, you know, it's almost like they're your your friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about opera, the medium mm. that really moves me. <laughs> really? <laughs> Wait, so speaking about opera, oh, opera. Just because um, I found it interesting, and it's, um, I don't know if you are seeing this a lot or if this was just like a one off, but um, I was reading a manga and I was looking, because I, manga is probably the only thing that I like will actually read about the author. I don't know why, but because it's like so small and it's usually like a chibi of the author, like it's not anything that you can actually like get information on. But they're, but they're okay. But it's kind of you. Dying here. <laughs> but you have you almost have to because it draws your eye. It's literally in the middle of the story, and you're like, oh, okay, what's this about? And it's about something totally different. It's yeah. not about the story. It's like, I had pudding for breakfast, yeah. and like my cat did this, and then also thank you for reading. And yeah. they're very so. There's like a message from the author, sort of written in a lot of them. Some, yeah, some have like columns. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, you, and the, they always end with like, yeah. thank you so much for supporting me. And it's just like, yeah. Oh, oh wow. Um, they'll really... talk about like their team too. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, and like they'll draw stuff. their team. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. They like build a but, character like, around themselves. Even. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I was reading one, and the hmm. author was Italian. Which, okay, so the story, this is where the opera comes in. It's because it was set in an Italian opera. <laughs> and I just thought it was like, that was just a choice. But no, um, they studied manga. They really liked it. And so they were like, and it was interesting because it was re- still read from right to left. Um, mm-hmm. And it was originally written in Italian and then translated into English. Um, and I just oh. thought it was interesting that, and then I think that I found another one that was like a German um, mm. author and writer and um, I was just wondering like are you seeing mm-hmm. manga that has been originated in countries other than Japan? I know like over here there have for many years there have been American publishers who have published manga quote unquote and mm-hmm. all manga is is it just means graphic novel yeah. in Japanese Yeah. but some people I mean when you say manga usually you think of like oh this graphic novel was published in Japan yeah um, so whether or not those manga are manga or not, I mean, yeah. again, it's just the yeah. term. Well, because they had the art style right. that we're, you know, typically common to. Which is funny because um, when we talk about manga and anime and their art style, they got it from Disney. Really? Yes. They were inspired by Disney and Betty Boop, I think. Really? And they took, like, the big eyes and, like, um, the really, like, exaggerated features that yeah. you see in manga. And they, um, yeah, so it was kind of like a back and forth. And now we're seeing more manga-esque style yeah. in American graphic novels. So it's, like, going back and forth. That's, That's really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. So, why you work in the tech zone, which is very different than a lot of the other divisions at Maine, at branches and other libraries. Correct. <laughs> um, can you tell us what is the tech zone and how does it fit into the library's mission and vision? Okay, so the tech zone at the Akron Library is a makerspace. Uh, we have a whole bunch of different kinds of machines that you can use. Um, we 
teach people how to use them so it's not just like we throw you to the wolves and let you go on your own. Um, and uh, it fits into the mission mostly for learning because um, we absolutely love to teach and love people who love to learn. Um, and then it's accessible to all because it is a lower co entry cost than some of the other machines. So you don't have to buy a laser all of a sudden. You can just use a laser, um, which can be very expensive machines. So. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this and I was struggling. What mm -hmm. verb do you use in Texan? Is it crafting, making, um, there's other terms that you call it, tinkering. tinkering. Creating. Yeah. Um, trading. Trading? Trading. Like trades. Oh, like, like a trade. Okay. Tooling and dying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I usually use a bit of different terms because I am a part of other makerspaces as well. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a little bit different than those. Okay. So I usually use the term crafting for what we do. Um, we are mostly project-based. Mm -hmm. So you come in with a project and we help you accomplish that project. Gotcha. Rather than a community of makers all working together to make something happen that's either big or, hey, can I bounce this idea off of you type thing. Mm -hmm. So um, it just depends on what you're planning on making and how you choose to think about it. All of, well, some of those words were mm -hmm. interchangeable, <laughs> like making, creating, um, crafting, all of it usually falls under the lump sum of maker, like the umbrella term of maker. Mm. Um, so uh, it just depends what you're looking to do and where you need to go. So if you're looking to do like trades mm -hmm. or anything like that, you do have to go to a different type of maker space, which is usually more industrial. Mm. Whereas ours is more of a fab lab is what you could call it, which is... Ooh, that's cute. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, more... Uh, the clean technology, like the lasers, the 3D printers, the vinyl printer, um, which uh, doesn't have that industrial dust and, like, welding or woodworking or anything like that. But people are still using it, it seems like. I'm curious about what the proportion is of people who are using it for personal cra – because crafting to me has an association of just things for gifts and, you know, right. the, myself, you know, little art kind of projects. Mm -hmm. But – People seem to use it a fair amount for like their businesses and things. Uh, what do you, is there a pretty even proportion or are there a million different uses that people use it for? Or um, what do you see? So I would say the usual is for business. Okay. Uh, we see mostly for business, especially on some of our bigger machines like the vinyl printer. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, most of the, it kind of depends on the machine. So like if you, plan on using the 3d printer usually it's not for business because you could just buy your own um but if you're just printing one or two things and want a cool piece for a game or you want the specific part that you've designed in tinkercad you can send us that and we print it for you whereas um like the laser engraver and stuff like that you have to actually know kind of what you're doing mm -hmm. so you have to come in with your design and then we show you how to use it cool we have a fairly even mix just because of the machines we have, you know, type thing. So um, so it's always also cool to see people expand their business. Yeah. And then, which is unfortunate for us because we have to see them grow their own wings and buy their own laser. But <laughs> still very cool to know they've done that because yeah. of the entry of the makerspace. That's so. awesome.
I got an idea. Yeah. Tattoo gun. No. <laughs> <laughs> For questions on arts and entertainment, contact the Culture and Audiovisual Division at 330-643-9015. For children's materials and programs, contact the Children's Library at 330-643-9050. For questions on the Makerspace and Computer Hall, contact the Tech Zone at 330-643-9145. For questions on teen materials and programs, contact the Teen Department at 330-643-9067. For questions on genealogy and local history, contact Special Collections Division at 330-643-9030. For all other reference questions, contact Business Government and Science Division at 330-643-9020. Or you can just call the Welcome Desk switchboard at 330-643-9000 and we'll get you sorted out as to who at the Akron Summit County Public Library you need to speak to. Thanks again, and we'll see you in 2024.